You're listening to The Sport Market, the stock market of sport. Here's your host, Tom Mayonect. The Vancouver Canucks host the Winnipeg Jets Saturday night, Rogers Arena, the first of three meetings between the Jets and the Canucks on the rest of this regular season run that has both the Canucks and the Jets overperforming preseason projections, especially the Canucks, of course. Uh, The Canucks go into the weekend with 80 points. That gives them a four-point bulge over the Boston Bruins and a six-point bulge over two other teams uh, chasing them. The Winnipeg Jets now have the seventh-best record overall in the National Hockey League. So it should be a wonderful matchup at Rogers Arena on Hockey Night in Canada and, of course, right here on the Sportsnet Radio Network, the Alpine Credits Canucks Radio Network. We've got a lot of ground to cover on this week after Super Bowl 58, and certainly the business of sport is a smaller business than it was a week ago when the NFL continued to be the juggernaut that it is with a record 123.7 million Americans and an average 10 million Canadians tuning into Super Bowl 58. Of course, the Swift effect, Taylor Swift's influence on this, her bringing along her 460, 470 million social media followers certainly didn't hurt. And going into OT, we always say this, the end of regulation, or at least until the two-minute warning, you're going to have really strong numbers. Well, they couldn't ask for more. The second Super Bowl to go to OT. And uh, Kyle Shanahan of the San Francisco 49ers, again, close, but no cigar. Andy Reid now leads the conversation in terms of best coaches of all time. It's not just a Bill Belichick kind of story. And he's got an opportunity to rival Belichick in terms of Super Bowl wins. So Canucks hockey, NHL in the stretch run, playoff positions already starting to be juggled and certainly watch and watch in your own, you know, watch yourself in terms of how much time people are going to be spending scoreboard watching. Because for a lot of Canucks fans, they're still pinching themselves in terms of where the Canucks are in the standings. Uh, They're definitely vying for a president's trophy. That's not, of course, the ultimate goal, but they're on track to finish first overall. And of course, that's important, not because of the president's trophy, but because of home ice advantage as deep as they can into the playoffs. It's also NBA All-Star Weekend, a lot of fun, uh, especially for the kids, uh, the young stars, the slam dunk competition, three-point throw uh, uh, shooting, and the game itself, uh, no defense NBA. That's what the All-Star game will be. The over-under probably north of 300 in terms of points for a game. We're going to be joined by Steve Ewan of the province and the province.com. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to go round the horn, talk Canucks, Lions, Whitecaps, uh, also talk Giants and WHL uh, hockey, uh, Vancouver Canadians and Vancouver Warriors. Uh, we're going to uh, also uh, check in with Torben Rolfson with the Rolfson Report, uh, the comedy of sport, a lighter side take on the business of sport. And with John Festinger 
And Aziz Rajwani, we're going to roll out Weekend Extra with Sun Sports, the headlines in this morning's edition of the Vancouver Sun. But before we do anything, we wanted to put the spotlight on the Burnaby Sports Hall of Fame, getting set for its annual induction event, March 15th. It's a biggie. It's a great class, including Don category and he's not the only one that has tongues wagging of course uh, 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 Louis Pasaglia also uh, Burnaby uh, uh, born and bred he of the last second field goal in 1994 and a lot more around that as well uh, to break things down as to how important this induction event is for the Burnaby Sports Hall of Fame and to talk about the tradition of sports in the centrally located uh, Burnaby home to one of the best sport parks and and and, and sport landscapes in the country, uh, everything around uh, what is now the Scotia Barn and in that area, Bill Copeland Arena, the soccer pitches, uh, that is one of the best infrastructures for youth sport in the country and the Burnaby Sports Hall of Fame designed to put the spotlight on that. We're very happy to be joined by its chair, David Borevich, um, who not only is part of the uh, Burnaby Sports Hall of Fame, but uh, contributing uh, through the, Bur- uh, the BC Sports Hall Network to the development of these sports halls and communities. And David, uh, counting down, we're basically a month away from your March 15th induction event. A- how can people who want to celebrate Don Taylor, Lou Pasagli, and others buy tickets? And secondly, uh, let us know who is your induction class for this year and why people really need to uh, check in on the March 15th event. All right, Tom, thanks for having me on. Um, yes, as you mentioned, uh, March 15th at the Riverway Golf Clubhouse in South Burnaby. It's a beautiful facility. We serve a lovely buffet meal. And we have an incredible class this time around. You mentioned Louie, 25-year epic career with the CFL. Um, Mike Santorelli, ex-Vancouver Canuck and NHL player, overcome the big odds of you know being a minor hockey player in Canada. About 1 in 4,000 make it to the NHL. He was a sixth-round draft choice and overcame those odds of being 1 in 6 to make it to the NHL. It also had a, you know, very um, good, solid career, uh, including a year with the Canucks. Um, our coach is Fuji Miki. He's a, a curling um, coach who not only has coached Canadian championship teams, but was recruited uh, by the country of Japan to come over there and establish their now very successful women's curling program. Um, our team, uh, the 2008 Cliff Avenue United Synergy Soccer Team, the girls' team, that went undefeated en route to a Canadian championship, that they uh, went all the way across the country to PEI to, to win. And as you mentioned, Don Taylor is our first inductee. We have a category called Builder that includes media, and Don's our first inductee as a media personality. Um, if you've listened to Don at all, you know he's very proud of his Burnaby roots, never misses an opportunity to shout out to Burnaby um, players and coaches and teams, and we're really excited to have Don and the rest of the group showing up. So to find out about the event in more detail and to get tickets, uh, the best bet is to go to our website, bshofbc.com. That's Burnaby Sports Hall of Fame, bc.com. And go to the events page, and it'll spell out uh, all the details about the evening. So it's going to be a great night. We're really looking forward to it. And we'd love to have everybody who's interested to 
be there to support this great class. And, and David, I think a lot of people interested for exactly the reasons you just mentioned. Don Taylor being only one of them. Of course, he's no stranger to listeners of Sports uh, Sportsnet 650 Vancouver. He does the crossover with uh, Donnie and Dolly of Czech TV uh, with the boys here every Wednesday uh, at uh, uh, 12 noon. Uh, uh, Jamie Dodd, Thomas Drance, welcome in uh, uh, Donnie and Dolly, and certainly well-deserved given his track record on not only sport television, but all sports radio here uh, going back more than a quarter century. David, uh, you and a, a small team of volunteers work hard to keep the Burnaby Sports Hall of Fame moving forward. How important are ticket sales from your induction event to sustaining the organization moving forward so that you can continue to honor the Burnaby sports community the way that you have? That's right, Tom. We're a char- registered charity, um, so the banquet is our primary fundraiser. And so the proceeds are used not only to support um, our day-to-day activities, running the website, these sorts of things, but also we uh, award scholarships each year to two graduating um, Burnaby student-athletes to help them um, progress with their academic and athletic endeavours. And, you know, we're making an effort to try and... um, be more active in today's sporting activities instead of just looking in the rearview mirror and recognizing excellence that's happened in the past. How do we get involved day to day in uh, supporting the activities of sport within Burnaby right now? You mentioned Burnaby is blessed with having tremendous sporting facilities. It's a very busy community, very growing community. So we want to be part of that growth and help foster you know sports excellence across the community today and in the future. David, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy weekend to join us here on the Sport Market uh, on Sportsnet 650 Vancouver. Congratulations to you as chair of the Burnaby Sports Hall of Fame and to everybody uh, on your team for the planning for March 15th. We'll have to try and get another preview in between now and then and um, maybe try and get the Louis Pisaglia or Don Taylor or any of your uh, inductees just talking about how special this recognition from the Burnaby Sports Sports Hall of Fame is for them. Thanks a lot for doing this. Have a terrific rest of the weekend. All right, Tom. Thanks very much for having me on. He is David Borevich, the chair of the Burnaby Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, you heard him there. Uh, it is uh, March 15th, the induction event, and a lot of pretty special personalities in BC sport history being and Burnaby sport history being celebrated that day. De- Night. Talking about a celebrated member of Halls of Fame, of course, he's part of the Hockey Hall of Fame. He's part of the uh, Ontario Sports Hall of Fame. He's part of the Canadian Walk of Fame. He is former Toronto Maple Leaf great Daryl Sittler, the captain for uh, the vast majority of his career. Of course, he played also for the Flyers and briefly with the Detroit Red Wings, but he will forever be associated with the Toronto Maple Leafs. He is doing an autograph signing session at the Langley Store of uh, pastime sports and games that's Saturday, March 23rd at 3 p.m. It's a pretty special treat, not only for Leafs fans, but for hockey fans, uh, even those begrudging Canucks fans who respect the kind of leader that Daryl Sittler was for those Leafs teams. Uh, that again is March 23rd. You can get all the information at pastimesports.ca. 
But we had a chance to sit down with Daryl Sittler uh, and our companion show, Pastime Radio, uh, The Collectible Show, uh, which is on tap 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock on Sportsnet 650 Vancouver. And uh, the subject came up of one of Daryl Sittler's big heroes. We all know that he's a hero to a lot of uh, 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 young uh, adults uh, from, from back in the day and even baby boomers from back in the day. But he talked about a special hero that he's idolized in. Yeah, uh, and, and I do too. And you know what? What sticks out, and I say this when I get out and I, I talk to people of the different in this interview, the thing that stuck out most to, to me about Terry Fox is his humility. He's a humble guy. He wasn't doing it. It wasn't all about Terry Fox and his ego. It was about making a difference in his, his humble way. And I'm so proud of his family and Daryl for what they continue to do. It's been, I don't know, over 40 years now since he started that run or his run ended. But, uh, it, again, it just uh, keeps resonating. It's He was a unique guy. Uh, to me, he was, if not the greatest Canadian ever for what, what he did in that short period of time in his life and the difference he's made for all of us. So, yeah, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you're doing that and uh, understand why you have such an emotional attachment to it because it does grab at your heartstrings for sure, and it should. That is Daryl Sittler, who will be at the Langley store of Pastime Sports and Games on Saturday, March 23rd. Uh, The thing that prompted that conversation is uh, uh, he brought up Terry Fox, and of course, uh, on behalf of my business partner, Anthony Abrahams, and I of Emblematica, probably the most important project we've ever worked on is in collaboration with the Terry Fox Research Institute. Uh, We came up with the branding and the naming of the Marathon of Hope Cancer uh, Center Network uh, from coast to coast. It's a very special project. Check it all out at Marathon of Hope. And uh, certainly, uh, I still continue to have trouble getting my head around 143 consecutive marathons. 143 marathons in 143 days. Next up, we do a quick chick, quick chicken. <laughs> well, we're going to try a quick check-in. Although a quack chicken might also be interesting. We'll get to one of those two next with Aziz Rajwani and John Festinger right here on The Sport Market. You're listening to The Sport Market. Once again, here's your host, Tom Mayonecht. Sider, left wing for Debrinken. Side of the goal for Strong in front for Kane, robbed by Demko. Rebound comes out front to Valeno. He feeds the line for Sider. What a save by Demko, sliding to his left. He denied Patrick Kane from point-blank range. The kind of goaltending that we expect on Hockey Night in Canada, late game edition, where the Winnipeg Jets are in town to face the Vancouver Canucks, Connor Hellebuck against Thatcher Demko. And certainly in the Canucks regular season, Demko has already proven to be a big part of their success. And if the Canucks have a deep run in the playoffs, good goaltending, if not great goaltending, will have to be part of it. Of course, that is the the dulcet tones. Those are the dulcet tones of Brendan Batchelor uh, calling on the Alpine Credits uh, Canucks Hockey Network on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, This game, Saturday night on Hockey Night in Canada, is the first of three meetings still to come between the Jets and the Canucks this season. And it's certainly one of the headlines in this morning's Sun Sports. Extra, extra. Welcome to Weekend Extra with Sun Sports, presented by the Vancouver Sun. 
Seriously West Coast. Patrick Johnson has the section page, section E1, in the hard copy of the paper and online at VancouverSun.com. And the headline in the Canucks mailbag that the team is working to cure its ailing power play. Of course, it's been a big part, especially the early season success. Uh, a little bit quieter in recent weeks. Rick Tockett wanting his players to be less selective with shots, much like the league-leading Colorado Avalanche And Patrick Johnson, of course, capturing what a lot of Canucks fans are uh, not necessarily worried about, but looking for is a return to that power play form from earlier in the year, Aziz Rajwani. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the simple fact that they've let four, four shorthanded goals in over three games is astounding, right? And still... The, the, the statistics are still respectable in the sense that I think that the Tampa Bay Lighting, if memory serves me correct, are the number one team uh, on, the, on the power play. And we're 10th. The Canucks, rather, not we. The Canucks are 10th. And that's respectable. But I think if they were just to edge it up a little bit more, that's better. And it's a good thing, too, that, you know, the other Elias is here. And, and he's, he's going to have time to acclimatize. You know, the fact that uh, he was signed a month before the trade deadline allows him an opportunity to get acclimatized to the players, and he's obviously proved himself well in the first game and the last game that he's played, the most recent game, two goals each. But he's part of that solution, and obviously it's going to get a little bit of time for him to gel with all these other players. But I think 10th is not good. Letting in shorthanded goals is absolutely bad, and they've got to get better at that. And if they do, their chances are much higher. Uh, John Festinger, uh, another headline in Sun Sports and hard copy of the paper and online at VancouverSun.com. Another story by Patrick Johnson is that Thatcher Demko, who we've been talking about here, is looking to equal the record for consecutive home victories. On Thursday, he set a Canucks record, getting to 30 wins in just 40 games, eclipsing Roberto Luongo's uh, all-time team mark. Uh, Tonight against the Jets, he's gunning for his 11th straight home win, which would equal Luongo's all-time Canucks standard that was set in 2009. Thatcher Demko, Roberto Luongo, pretty good company. That's exactly the point. Um, and, you know, what what we can start thinking ahead about is if Thatcher Demko keeps this up over a certain number of seasons, he deserves to be in the rafters uh, and Luongo isn't. <laughs> There you go. Mark that one down. You heard it here first, uh, uh, courtesy of John Festinger. And Tom, I've said it. If the Canucks are going to have a run in the playoffs, it's not going to be any other player. You can name all your favorite players. It's going to be Demko. If Demko, Demko plays really well, like he did in the bubble, or not, sorry, we call it in the Vancouver, I've always said the buble. In the buble, he played astonishingly well, right? Like, you know, until seventh game, Vegas, he was still there all the time. The team wasn't. But he's got to be there, and if he is, the Canucks are going to have a long run, and hopefully we'll all have our dreams realized as well. Uh, uh, we're talking, of course, a lot about Baines from the Abbotsford Canucks uh, uh, making a big impression on the Canucks br- brass. Uh, he has uh, been called up 
to uh, the big club, and uh, it's just a matter of time before he gets some uh, NHL looks for Rick Tockett and the Canucks. Steve Ewens got a great piece on page E2 of the Vancouver Sun. Uh, it's also available at VancouverSun.com. Uh, Steve Ewen, another piece in terms of the SFU search for a new athletic director with the state of football program still in limbo. Uh, John Festinger, you've been following this story for a long time. Uh, It's always easier on the outside looking in to complain and criticize, but I just can't see that this has been handled by SFU with urgency, with uh, the right degree of thoughtfulness from the beginning to where we are now. Well, you know, I guess I'm a little inside outside. I used to teach at SFU. Um, I stopped teaching there in part. Uh, I wrote a letter actually complaining about how they treated the football program. Um, uh, this is a longstanding failure in in many parts, and it's very, very sad. And part of it, unfortunately, it has gotten to the point where it reflects on the integrity of the academic institution. Um, and they've got to fix it. And it, it is so bad for Vancouver and British Columbia. Uh, 15 seconds for Aziz. Okay, just because you've had that experience at SFU, my question to you is why is it that SFU wants to be so unique and affiliate them, themselves with south of the 49th parallel instead of north of the 49th parallel? I, I wish I could give you the answer, uh, but in fairness to them, UBC was also looking at it at around the same time. So you'd have to look at, at, at the circumstances back then. That wasn't unique to SFU. Uh, you know, I know it's hard to be completely transparent on this kind of stuff, but that's another thing is there was some injury to trust uh, in terms of the stakeholders, most notably the students from the earliest period. Uh, all kinds of other headlines worth picking up a copy of the Vancouver Sun, including MLB's plans to crack down on obstruction uh, to encourage uh, base running and uh, all kinds of uh, other previews in terms of the Toronto Blue Jays were Rob Longley post media suggesting the time is now. Uh, congratulations to Megan Augusta of a terrific career. She formally announced her retirement from hockey. Of course, she's with the Vancouver Police Department. Big shout out and thank you to Aziz Rajwani and John Festinger for walking us through the headlines in this morning's edition of the Vancouver Sun Weekend Extra with Sun Sports. Weekend Extra with Sun Sports has been brought to you by the Vancouver Sun. Seriously, West Coast. Pick up a copy today. Next up, Steve Ewan. We go around the horn. Canucks, Lions, Whitecaps, Giants, Warriors, Canadians, and more. You're listening to The Sport Market on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, it was great. I mean, uh, we were just talking about in the room that, you know, pretty good game for the, the fans to see. A lot of goals, a lot of action, and, you know, a fight. So, you know, they were, uh, they were into it the whole game, and, you know, we, uh, we fed off it. Mark Matthews of the Toronto Rock, NLL in Laval, Quebec at Bell Place, uh, right near Shamedy just north of Montreal, a unboxed promotional opportunity 
Toronto Rock against New York Riptide and certainly setting the stage for NLL expansion in Montreal. And of course, before we get to Steve Ewan, who is on the Warriors beat, on the NLL beat, Tino Farah in the producer's chair. Uh, Listen, this is pretty cool. It looked great on uh, television. Uh, Certainly uh, part of a, a, a very clear strategy. Yeah, you know what? There were so many really cool things about it. Like, first of all, the crowd looked incredible, and this was the first time Montreal had seen live NLL action. About fifty seven hundred or six thousand. Uh, I, I don't know what the official number was. Honestly, it looked like more than that. If if I'm being if I'm being honest, yeah, we'll have but, to double check. On yeah, that, for yeah. sure. But one of the things that I really liked is is they were testing out a new kind of turf that they haven't used in the NLL yet, and. It looked very similar to anybody that's been to the Langley Event Center to see a Langley Thunder game in the WLA. Um, it looked very similar to that style of turf where it's a little bit longer, like ever so slightly, very much like AstroTurf. Yeah. But the thing that I liked about it, it was very visually appealing with the fact that it didn't ride up the boards in the corner. You'll notice that if you go to a Warriors game, like the, the turf isn't completely flush up against the boards. At, at places it goes up. So with this turf, rather than it being one big flat thing that goes across the entire the entire surface, there were like squares, tiles essentially, and it was measured out correctly to the point where it's not riding up. So, I mean, for the first one, I thought it was very successful. The game was incredible. Two incredibly hot teams in the league right now, and visually the, the turf made a big difference in my opinion. National Lacrosse League unboxed at the at Bell Place, which is the home of the Laval Rocket of the American Hockey League, uh, obviously affiliates of the Montreal Canadiens. Steve Ewan, like Tino Farah, on the NLL beat, and that's where we'll start with Steve. We've got a lot to cover in this uh, episode of Around the Horn. Uh, Steve, uh, did you have a chance to catch some of the action from uh, Laval last night? Watch a little bit of the highlights. Very exciting. First first time since, what, 2002? Yeah, back I think when, so. Uh, yep. Back when... Montreal uh, Express. Yes. Well, there was a Vancouver Ravens team in town, too, back then. No, absolutely. Playing at the Bell Center. At the time, it was the Molson Center. Yes. So, they, they, you know, I think, they had a pretty, I, think they were, I think they were, like, middle of the pack, like 8-8 eight and eight or something. They had, they had a pretty good team back then. Uh, what did you think about uh, this, you know, ongoing business development, footprint development initiative uh, by the National Lacrosse League? I think it's fun. I, I, I worry that the league is going to try and get too big too fast. I, I feel better now. I think the previous regime was looking, had had visions of, of 30 teams. And I, I don't know if, lacrosse is ready for that yet i don't know if there's enough players i think as they convert field players to box or or get them more accustomed with box i think that's going to happen i think uh with with more american field guys picking up box game i I think it's got a chance i just that's my that's my worry a little bit is, is that it's you know if you get too big too soon you water down the product We're talking to Steve Ewan of the province and theprovince.com. Let's check in on the Vancouver Giants. If you basically looked at their last five games and they had that pace, they'd be leading the WHL. They're playing some of their best hockey of the season. I think they've rebuilt their team on the fly. They've made 
three or four trades. Uh, had Samuel Hansa come back from injury in the World Juniors. <laughs> they look like a different team. That's a very good Portland team. They they beat last night and they handled handled fairly fairly easily. So it's and they, they I could see them jumping up into that four or five spot and, and you know really having a shot at winning it winning a, a round or two. When you look at the BC teams in the WHL, uh, who do you think is best equipped to go the furthest in the upcoming playoffs? I think you got I, as much as you like Vancouver going forward. Prince George has done it all year, so I, I think they're the team. I think they're the deepest team. I think they're the most explosive team. They're strong in goal. Um, I, I think that they're the team to be. Though I do think Vancouver's on the rise. Uh, if someone had told you uh, first week of October that on uh, February seventeenth, twenty twenty four, the Vancouver Canucks would be in first in the National Hockey League, playing the Winnipeg Jets in seventh overall, and the Canucks would have a five point bulge over the Boston Bruins, who just uh, lost in OT to the Los Angeles Kings, but they had a five point um, uh, advantage. What would you tell them back in October? I'd ask about drug testing. <laughs> yes, tell me I, about it. I mean, it. I, I don't. I I think the you probably the, need to do that anyway with me with some of the I, things I, I say. I think the most ambitious Canuck fan didn't didn't hope for this. I think they 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 hoped for a bump, and they knew that with with Talkit and crew coming in, that that they were going to be more organized and and more structured and and play better defensively. I don't think anyone expected this. It's, they've hit all the right notes. They've got everybody pulling the right way. They've, they've got great performances up and down the lineup. When you look at where we're at now, given the new expectations, the much higher expectations, what defines success for the Vancouver Canucks? Uh, obviously, just making the playoffs won't won't satisfy that itch yet. Is it, a, is, is it a second round? Is it a conference? Or is it the cup or bust? I think there's a cup or bust mentality with some people. I, 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 I think a strong showing into the second round, whether they win or win or lose the second round, I think that would be a good step for me. This is still a group that hasn't had a ton of ton of success, and I really do believe you have to you have to do it in 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 steps. I don't think you automatically go from a team that hadn't done very much to a team that wins the cup. I, I think you you need steps. So I. I a strong showing in the second round is, is kind of what what I'm going to measure the team on. How palpable is the increased interest in the Canucks this year among your colleagues, uh, among friends and family, uh, and 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 as measured by people inquiring about you know out of town scores involving not necessarily the Canucks but teams who are in the battle with the Canucks? How palpable is that year over year in comparison? I think there was, I think two years ago at my local pub, they were playing Canuck games, but they were playing them without sound. I, I think you've seen it steadily increase to now where the games in the pub, the pub's busier. Now, you know, the sound's louder. I think there's there's more of a, more of an interest level. I think, I, you know, I think people are excited. I think that, that there's always been the diehard fan that lived in, you know, lived and died with this team i think you're getting that mainstream fan i think there was a period there where the mainstream fan wondered you know still thought that kevin kevin bx and ryan you know ryan kessler were there 
I, I think now that that group has jumped up and is really into the the Connor Garlands and the Dakota Joshua's, you know, that whole group. Uh, talking about scoreboard watching, uh, uh, bad on me. Earlier this hour, uh, I counted the Boston Bruins' chickens before they hatched, uh, suggesting that it would be a four-point uh, bulge. That was when they, when they were leading by a couple of goals in the third period. L.A. Kings come back to tie it in regulation and win it in overtime. Uh, Bruins come away with a point. Uh, L.A. comes up with two. So now the Canucks have a five-game advantage over the Bruins with the tonight's action. Sorry, five-point advantage with tonight's action still in play uh, and um, uh, they've got six points on two other teams tied uh, at 74 points. Uh, Steve, let's shift gears again as we go around the horn uh, to the BC Lions. Uh, was in a meeting this week where someone was just raving about Amar Doman and how he's done everything that he said he would do, uh, the generosity on the philanthropic side of things, uh, not just, you know, to all things Lions, but the community in general. Uh, this is gold, and, and, and certainly uh, I don't think we say it enough about how pro- prototypically positive an owner he is and has become. Well, I, I think he's the guy that spearheaded this, this whole run. I think obviously the, the team playing better, is a factor, but I think he's, I think there's a connection there. I think there's a, you want to cheer for them because he's, he's, he's gone out of his way to pay attention to the fans, gone, gone out of his way to kind of answer their queries, you know, more afternoon games, you know, different, you know, trips and, and, and things like that. And I, I think there's a feeling that he's given the team back to the, back to the community. And you, you feel that, Kind of give and take with them. Reminds me, reminds me a little bit of the baseball team with the Canadians. Uh, Vancouver Whitecaps, obviously a big push around Lionel Messi and the visit by Inter Miami. Uh, what are you looking for as we approach the beginning of a new MLS season? Consistency. I, I think uh, you know there, there was they were up and down all you know kind of all last year and, and got on a roll at the right time. I, I'd like to see them more. You know, be more consistent and be, you know, kind of have that have that connection with the fan base all the way through. We're talking to Steve Ewan of the Province and theprovince.com. Uh, Steve, uh, Vancouver Canadians, hard to believe, two months away from a new season at Nat Bailey Stadium. Spring training, spring training already going on. No, a- absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what has been the most intriguing recent off-season headline, uh, not just for the Jays, but in connection with having with 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 that headline having a real impact on the Vancouver Canadians? Brent Brent Lavely being back as manager. I didn't think he'd be back for a third year and obviously they they kept the two guys in front of them. Uh, in their manager spots, they they and you know reading reading between the lines, they 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 felt he'd be better off managing than he you know would you know would have been with a coaching spot. That is his progression. I think he did a, a, an amazing job last year with the team. I didn't think they were the most talented team in the in the Northwest League, but he seemed to get you know more and more out of them you know as the season played out. So I I, I think that's exciting. Local guy, good story. Um, it would be fun to see where kind of just to follow him along and see what kind of prospect he actually is and see, see how far he makes it down the, you know, baseball path. 
Steve, we've checked in on the Canadians. We've checked in on the BC Lions, on the Vancouver Whitecaps, the Vancouver Giants, and BC's WHL teams, the Vancouver Canucks, the Vancouver Warriors. A bonus round of Around the Horn. There you go. Want your take on the uh, Canada Rugby 7 set February 23rd, 25th. That's next weekend at BC Place. What makes that three-day event so special? I think just ever just just the attitude, just everybody being so excited and 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 just the people watching and seeing everyone rolling in costumes and everyone having such a good time. And this is a great event, town, and that you know I think it speaks to that. I think people get get excited for that event and and they know it's coming once a year and they and they you know put such a focus on having a good time that it's you can't help but go there and have have fun. Steve, as always, so appreciated. Yeah, I, I can't help but come here and have fun, Tom. Well, listen, I'd be remiss in wishing you a belated happy birthday. There you, uh, go. you really had a, a cross section. I'm starting, of, to, starting to get, you know, kind of rack them up here. Well, I'll tell you, uh, you know, friends, family, your readers, uh, everybody loves you and everybody uh, hopes that you continue to have a great uh, birthday week uh, through the end of the, uh, uh, the weekend. And we'll look forward to talking to you again next weekend. Sounds great. Thanks so much, eh? He is Steve Ewan of the province and theprovince.com. We've got our closing bell commentary next, right here on the Sport Market. Now more of the Sport Market. Rating and debating the bulls and bears of sports business. Lynn Hall, high slot, red light, he scores! shot by Elias Lindholm and what a way to make your home debut Elias Lindholm's first goal at home as a Vancouver Canuck and certainly a fun one for Brendan Batchelor to call here on the Sportsnet Canucks radio network it is hockey night in Canada it is a game day on the Sportsnet Radio Network, Winnipeg Jets in town, and a big welcome to Rick Bonus, head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, one of the truly good guys in the business of hockey. Of course, former associate head coach of the Vancouver Canucks from their 2011 and 2012 teams, working alongside Alain Vigneault back in the day. Uh, he's had a few other pit stops, of course, in a, a storied career, but great to see him have this kind of success with the Winnipeg Jets. Now, admittedly, their past three weeks haven't been the form that the Jets have had for most of the season, and certainly Canucks looking to capitalize on that. But either way, it should be a good goaltending battle between the Vancouver Canucks' Thatcher Demko and Connor Hellebuck of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Canucks holding a five-point lead going in over the Boston Bruins, who lost in OT to the LA Kings today and a six-point bulge uh, over the uh, Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars. Uh, Dallas Stars playing the Edmonton Oilers. This is so much a reflection of how into it the Vancouver and the BC markets have 
have been on this Canucks campaign. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that analytics in terms of the Canucks social media channels, um, analytics, uh, you know, in terms of Google search and time spent on pages, all of them will be at pretty record levels because of the interest that this Canucks season, this revitalized Vancouver Canucks team and season has generated among fans. And there's so much pent-up demand. Uh, When the Canucks started to sort of recalibrate or at least be forced to recalibrate after their back-to-back President's Trophy years and being swept out uh, uh, by the uh, LA Kings uh, in the uh, playoffs, uh, it, it certainly wasn't and hasn't been a happy decade plus. But the way the team is performing, how professional it is from the front office staff to the head coach and Rick Tockett to the players themselves who've had very, very few off nights, it really is remarkable. Tino Ferra is in the producer's chair and and... You know, I have to say that, and I've been a Canucks season ticket holder for years, I can't even compare interest over the last seven or eight years to the interest this season. Um, Season tickets from a reselling point of view are gold, but more importantly, the fan engagement, Tino, is palpably different than it was even one year ago right now. People are literally counting the off days in between Canucks games. And when it goes more than the every other day, people are feeling their, uh, how can I say, they're, they're missing their Canucks hits. Yeah, well, I mean, the All-Star break was evident of that. I think people were, were itching. Even though there were, there were Canucks on the ice in Toronto, I think everybody was like itching for Canucks hockey to be back on the ice again. One, one of the biggest like telltale signs for me, the other day, so we're currently in February, I saw like three or four cars with with Canucks car flags on, and we're, that's usually a playoff thing. We're no like I mean we're not we're nowhere near playoffs, but a couple months away here, and people are already representing those on their cars. Like it, it's pretty cool. It hasn't been like this obviously in an incredibly long time, and with the playoffs seemingly just around the corner, people are already discussing potential match matchups. We were talking today about what we do or don't want to see. Like that's incredible to talk about in February. You can check, and well said, Tino. Uh, Tino Farah in the producer's chair. Uh, we've been really focused on our podium funded by Alpine Credits. Gold, of course, the women's audiences at Super Bowl 58. The overall share, women to men, 47.5% women. That is an NFL record for a Super Bowl. In the silver medal position, the NBA All-Star Weekend and what it's doing in terms of artificial intelligence and uh, interactivity. That court absolutely blows me away in Indianapolis. And in the bronze medal position, Jenny Kavnar of the Oakland Athletics will become the first Major League Baseball female primary uh, play-by-play commentator, another tipping point for women in sport. And you can check out our our X feed, formerly known as Twitter, at the Sport Market, T-H-E Sport Market. You can also download our podcast at sportsnet.ca slash 650. Time to have another great weekend Courtesy of Torben Rolfson. The Sport Market on Sportsnet 650 presents The Rolfson Report, the comedy of sport with Torben Rolfson. 
Rule 58, the most watched telecast ever. Commercials were $7 million for a half minute. Nobody's paid that much for 30 seconds since the Jets signed Aaron Rodgers. McCole Hardman caught the winning TD pass in Ote. He was the only Jet going into the season that lived up to the preseason Super Bowl champ predictions. And according to market researchers, Taylor Swift this season elevated viewership of 12 to 17-year-old girls by 53%. Unfortunately, Jason Kelsey's topless beer chugging dropped at 68%. When is Wayne Newton playing the sphere? Have they done that yet? Mattress Mac had the Texans in the Super Bowl. Nice try. Go to sleep on that, buddy. Jim Nance and Tony Romo said they had a partial streaker in the third quarter. Was it Usher? You've been listening to the Rolfson Report, the comedy of sport with Torben Rolfson, a special feature of the sport market. Listen again on the podcast and stay tuned Tuesdays at noon at facebook.com slash the sport market.